0: The professional who you work with can help you do this. You do it in an amount that's not overwhelming. You do, we don't, we're not just throwing you into a lake and hoping you swim. We're finding ways to slowly but surely and confidently allow you to feel these certain feelings and yet still make the decision that you want to make. That takes time and practice. Slow and steady wins the race. Folks, welcome. The counselors can help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We want to remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. Folks, this is Merrill Fink. Welcome back to Counselors Can Help. Hope everybody's having a, uh, a good summer. We're Our family is enjoying some trips. We've been visiting family. I, I, I will say we had one major issue we had to deal with. Our truck broke down in the middle of being gone somewhere and so it just it's terrible when your vehicle breaks down on the road because what we found in the situation we were in was no one couldn't even look at it for like three weeks basically the engine quit in our my truck and so uh not good and so what we wound up doing is buying a new one and let me tell you a little little tip out there it's not gonna be a great financial transaction when you walk into a car dealer and say, "Hey, we'd like to buy that vehicle you've got and oh, by the way, our trade in is not running. <laughs> so I don't know, but we it was kind of like the best of a lot of bad scenarios and we just had to do it. so anyway, that was a lot of time on the road and some stress and worry, but we think we got a nice vehicle out of it and anyway, those are the those are the the perils sometimes adventure of traveling. Driving and seeing America, doing these kind of things. Sometimes the vehicles, they don't cooperate and you're in a situation you never thought you'd be in waking up that morning and later that day trying to resolve something. So uh, kind of gets to our idea of the show here and that's the idea of anxiety. I've done some previous shows on that and I will say right now the show is 10 and 11 and 12. I went back and reviewed those from this podcast it was a three-show series on anxiety. And I listened to those shows going, patting myself on the back a bit. I go, damn, that was a lot of good stuff in there. And so I would really encourage you, if you're listening to this for the first time, go back and listen to those shows, 10, 11, 12. It's a great series on anxiety, covers a lot of ground. And I would say some of it you've heard before, a lot of it you haven't. And so it's a good baseline. It's a good... Just setting up what's all important and what is to be considered if you feel like anxiety has sort of gotten out of control in your life or someone you know. Another theme of this show is certainly counselors can help and that we feel, I feel, that you're going to make a lot more progress faster. You'll be much happier if you find a professional that can help you with this. And so I would encourage you to do that. Along with that, I have my website, counselorscanhelp.com, and that has tools on it, such as finding a therapist. You can find a therapist in your area using that website. This show is on it, so you can go to any show. Uh, I have, if you're interested in hiring me or doing some, sitting down and doing sessions, I've made some videos on there that talk about my philosophy and that kind of thing. You can see what I look like, see me talk in person, get a sense of what that is if you or some a loved one is considering suicide or you've you've been dealing with that i mean there are some resources on there so and also resources in books and things that i recommend for general topics and so sometimes people want to know where they can go for more and that's a, a great resource counselorscanhelp.com is a pretty good resource and i'm always trying to make it better and that will certainly improve over time today's topic is anxiety and I want to say off the bat, what what's the goal when somebody comes in the office and, and says, "I'm sick of this. I want to work on my anxiety." They may think the goal is to make them no longer anxious, and that I think has sort of gotten them in trouble the whole while that they've been fighting this thing. And so, um, and it's not a, a an unreasonable outcome. It's not an unreasonable, I guess, thought. I should say. To think, man, this I seem to have this more than other people. Can I turn it down somehow? Can I make it be less than it is because it's really bothering me? I really don't like it. I've always had this or, you know, it's happened ever since this thing. And I want to get rid of it. And I think that's a, a mind shift that we want to make. And the mind shift is this. We want to quit thinking of anxiety in terms of, I want less of it, it's ruining my life, etc." And more towards, I just wanna to learn to be able to do what matters when I need to do it. I don't want anxiety telling me what I have to do and how I have to live my life and what I have to avoid and what I have to cut out. That's not working for me anymore. I want to be able to take a logical look at everything that I do and make the best decision for the situation. And I want to be able to learn how to do that. Because right now, anxiety is not letting me do that. Which makes sense. I think people can sort of grasp that idea. And again, they think, they think well, the only way to do that really is I have to turn down anxiety. And I don't necessarily disagree but the fundamental idea is to be able to do what matters, do what's important, make good decisions, live my best life, and I'll work on my relationship with anxiety along the way. To say that you're not going to have anxiety anymore or turn it way down, I think, is, is sort of a fool's game. You can do that in a number of ways with pills and booze. You can do that in many ways by living a smaller life. It's what people do when they when they decide, hey, I, I no longer have the ability to deal with this situation. They simply cut it out of their life. Or they go to the pills and booze route. Either way, that's not a winning strategy. Or they develop some other very unhealthy coping me- mechanisms such as control. I will become the tightest control person there ever was because I will avoid anxiety by controlling every situation and every thing that I get into and everything that I avoid and every situation that I make sure I'm not involving myself in because that makes me anxious. Therefore, I cannot do it. I won't do it. I refuse. And there's some other very negative things that anxiety does to people that um, come to do with relationships as well. So... Traditional thinking for folks with anxiety is to say, well, I would be different if my situation was different, meaning I am anxious because of this thing that I'm going through, the way my life is set up, what I have to deal with, the family that I have to deal with, my spouse, whatever. It's all linked to the hard life that I have and the situation that I have. And I would say, okay, um, you, you may not be wrong. Your life may be quite stressful and, and all that, but there are plenty of people with stressful lives who I, I think are not guided by anxiety. And what I mean by this is this. In, an, in a couple examples here, I'll go through. Let's say you decide you want more, your your stress, your anxiety is around money, and you win huge jackpot of the lotto or some other big drawing and you're now a many multi, multi-millionaire. Let's say $500 million comes your way. Let's do the extreme example. And you would think, okay, now I don't have to worry about money. But as you collect your winnings, my guess is, your anxiety now turns to something else and it will turn to things like oh I'm they may want me to make a statement for the press or they'll release my name and some people will not want to come take advantage of me and I'll have family members come out of the wall and I'll have to talk to them and I really don't have to talk to that person that person's going to come and they're going to ask for money and I'm going to have to say no it's going to be a huge fight and then you'll have thieves who want to come and find where I live and you know come to our house and maybe want to steal my children and and hold them for ransom. And, you know, you could see the endless cycle of worry that you could get into among that and a hundred other things. Once you decide you're going to, you're going to get the big check, you know, they take a picture of you, you're standing in front of those big whopping checks with the big number on it. I don't think you become less anxious in that moment. And the reason is it's just the way you think, your pattern of thinking will just keep churning and churning to, to other, to new new things that just create more and more anxiety. So you were worried about not having a lot of money back then, sure, but you were probably just living in anxiety. And money just seemed to be the thing that was controlling a lot of your thought patterns, but it, but it was more likely the fact that you just had a mentality and habits that seemed to produce more anxiety and less habits, and ways of thinking that actually got you to live the life you want to live. Um, There's also an idea of, I'm just going to cut this out of my life. I'm anxious about this or that thing, so therefore I just won't do it anymore. People do this all the time, with flying, with um, getting into elevators, maybe seeing certain family members... Many other things that they have decided they're just not going to do anymore. Go to public events. I'll shop when late at night when there's no one around. I'm going to stop doing that thing. And again, how sad is that? I mean, this this definitely flies in the face of doing what matters and doing what's important to you because probably deep down, if you were honest with yourself, these things are important to you and you don't want to be Again, controlled by anxiety. You don't want to be told what to do, when to do, what to avoid, all that kind of stuff because that's kind of how you're living again in the moment. And that's oh, I call that life getting smaller. Once again, not a great strategy because you do wind up just constantly running from it. You, you, you never get away from it. It just, it just creates a smaller and smaller life. I will just leave it at that because you're always worried about the next thing. Um, the idea of solving it, I will solve this thing that is making me anxious and people kind of do that a lot. I think they do think about, okay, what makes me anxious? And I I just need to solve this or that problem. Then I will not be anxious or I'll, I'll find a way to think about the thing that will no longer make me anxious. And I'm still not going to do it. Still not going to get, go to that concert. I'm just going to find the, the golden nugget that will somehow allow me to just walk in there, no anxiety whatsoever, and I'll be fine. Well, of course, years go by and this never happens. There's one area that I would say solving it does make a difference, and that comes to relationships. Sometimes what makes people anxious and just they just have stress over their relationships or a specific one in general. And if you can learn some conflict resolution skills and just some better ideas about relationships, well then, yes, your general anxiety can actually drop and you can have a much better outlook on life if these relationships are going much better and you feel like you have options and you're not in a constant squabble with this person or having to avoid them all the time. That, you know, solving a certain degree of things does help. And relationships is certainly one of those things where, again, you would say, well, if I learn some relationship skills and I could have better relationships, that is the life that I want. I'm really not trying to avoid my friend or my neighbor or sister-in-law or, you know, whatever it is. I, I really do want to be around them. I just can't seem to do it. So what do I do? Well, again, we can, we could find ways to do that. That could help alleviate that situation, which might lower your general anxiety and stress level, which can then become a knock-on effect for other things so I I certainly think in the the idea of relationships which I do in my practice when somebody talks about anxiety I tend to also talk about relationships pretty quickly because that usually is the thing many times it's the reason why they're there anxiety has always been a thing but the relationships are, are taking a hit so on to that with relationships I think many times what happens with people with anxiety they will want to get rid of that and other than the traditional things we've just talked about in a relationship many times what that comes out as is anger or control or some other avoidance mechanism but their partner or other person they're dealing with will often be puzzled in why are they so angry in this situation or why do they say these things that are so mean and hurtful? Why do they want to control everything all the time? This will be somewhat of a mystery to the people around you and they really won't be able to kind of figure out the decoder ring other than you don't like this and that and you know they know, they know all the rules and all the, the things that you have to do. What is happening here is there is a somewhat of a life of rules, which is what we have talked about with all these other examples of like what I can do and I'll stop doing it and that kind of thing. But in a relationship, I think what happens more often is many times we have insecurities and things we have not dealt with that make us severely anxious around certain things in a relationship. And when those things come up, we don't know what to do. We're severely anxious, so some people decide they're going to get mad. That's, that's a way to control their anxiety is they're just going to start raging. And they don't necessarily make a conscious decision to do that. I think this is a habit you develop over time. Um, it's worked to some degree because you feel like, okay, I've got some control over my anxiety. But this anger thing is going to get in the way of relationships. So that's not a winning strategy, I can tell you right now. Likely you're going to create problems and make the relationships end, which is sort of what you want because this thing is making you anxious because you're constantly worried about them leaving you or some other horrible thing. This is a problem, and it comes out in ways that are a little bit, um, how should I say, a little bit just confusing to people around you as to why you're saying these things or why you're acting this way. And I think a lot of this has to do with anxiety because if you ask the person in a calm moment, why did you say that or, you know, what's the motivation there? They'll will, they will, they'll give you some sort of like, I'm really not sure or, you know, whatever. And I, I really shouldn't say those things. I know that's not good. But in the, in the heat of the moment, they can't help but saying it. And I think because... Anxiety has overwhelmed them, and they just don't like that feeling. They can't stand that feeling of what anxiety tells them, the message it gives them, and therefore the relationship becomes a disaster. Again, professional help is warranted in a situation like this. Because the only way you're going to get through this in all anxiety is pretty much the same is you have to learn over time to face it and be able to see that, okay, I'm anxious, but really what's the thing I should be saying here? What's the thing I want to say? What's the action I want to take? What's the thing I want to do? I don't want to yell obscenities at my spouse or child. That doesn't seem to have any common sense. And so I'm just not going to do that. Some may say, well, I don't do any of those things. What I do is I just say nothing. I just choke it down. I avoid it. You know, whatever. This is now causing problems because I see things I really want to address and I just can't. I don't know what to say because I feel like it's going to turn into an argument, which then the person will leave me. You know, again, you're, you, anxiety tends to have a, a a negative situation that then spirals in your own mind into a quite larger situation and that that is not helping which then creates a situation where you then avoid or do things you really don't want to do um, you name it to get out of the feeling the feeling is the enemy and what you've done for probably a long time is avoid the feeling and you've avoided the feeling by doing a bunch of coping mechanisms that you know common sense wise don't help so so What's the way out? The way out is to slowly but surely practice and expose yourself to situations that make you a bit anxious and learn how to work through them. The professional who you work with can help you do this. You do it in an amount that's not overwhelming. We're not just throwing you into a lake and hoping you swim we're finding ways to slowly but surely and confidently work allow you to feel these certain feelings and yet still make the decision that you want to make that takes time and practice and it's slow you know slow and steady wins the race kind of thing here there there's no magic bullet there's no magic thought there's no possible way you can go to a therapist and say you know in 3 sessions you know fix my anxiety Because again, you probably are thinking it in terms that we've talked about at the beginning of the show and that's just not going to happen. That's impossible. You're, you're, You're essentially asking your therapist to do the impossible. Anxiety is not a logic thing. It's an emotion thing and it's a habit thing. And you're going to defeat this dragon, if you will, by slowly and steadily taking on small tasks and then making them larger and larger and larger. And so, um, and there's a lot of reasons why you would want to do this. But the bottom line is that's ultimately the main strategy is we're gonna take on things and we're gonna practice doing a little bit better and a little bit better. And really in many ways early on, just knowing what our body is doing and just paying attention to what is happening inside my body and just learning to be a bit more comfortable with that. Just getting used to, okay, what, is, what does this mean? Okay, this is what anxiety feels like. My heart's starting to beat more. It's not a heart problem. It's not a health problem. In this moment, I know I'm anxious. That's good to know. That's a good thing to practice because anxiety sufferers many times go to the doctor a lot because they just can't tell the difference between anxiety and, and a real thing. And it's confusing for them. Um, doctors somewhat stop listening to them, that's not a good situation to be in because someday you'll have a real health concern and they'll not be listening to you and you'll get bad advice or just get ignored altogether. And so not good. So part of the anxiety strategy is to start slow, practice being anxious with little things, and then bigger and bigger things. And like I said, in the shows that I mentioned, shows 10, 11, 12, I do talk about this process of ways you can sort of practice being anxious. And honestly, there are too many to mention. You can do it uh, visually. You can, you know, think about stuff. There's numerous ways to expose yourself to small things that you can handle. And especially if you have a person that you're comfortable with who can help you work through those. That is the the ticket for sure to dealing with anxiety it's the gold standard really of dealing with anxiety what also comes along is what you find yourself doing more and more is just becoming more brave if you will and really that is the goal it's not to lower anxiety is to become more brave and as you become more brave anxiety will still show up but you just you just pay attention to it less and less it will still be there but you, you learn to say, okay, that's anxiety. Do I need to listen to it? Yes, no. And, you know, the the more you do it, the the more you don't have to listen to it, which is a good thing. And I'll give you a personal example, which which just happened to me. We were out traveling, and uh, we were in the Black Hills of South Dakota. We went to this place called Jewel. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Jewel Cave. It was Wind Cave. Lots of caves in that area. Anyway, we're going to go underneath the earth, and we're going to be in this cave that's all pretty. And I'm not a big cave guy anyway, just because, I don't know, to me, I'm just not that impressed by the the inner workings of a cave. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed for about five minutes, and then I I lose my enthusiasm, let's say, for the beauty of it. But my wife wanted to go. Um, We've got family there. They wanted to, you know, go down there, and, and I'm going with them. I started to get a little bit freaked out in the moment and I could just feel like little waves of anxiety would come on and 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 I could feel myself getting slowly um succumbing to thoughts of oh I'm gonna get you know I'm gonna have claustrophobia down there and it's you know it's gonna be in these 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 dark cramped little you know I'm gonna be underground I'm gonna be trapped and you know lots of negative thoughts this is anxiety starting to take hold right this is exactly what it looks like is you're now no longer enjoying the thing that you want to do and you're looking for, well, ways I could get out of it or, you know, do I really have to do this and, you know, it's just going to be awful and, you know, your your anxieties can become quite intense in those moments and the key to that is to learn how to slowly turn that off and keep pushing through. There are many... Important questions that you would want to ask yourself. One is, why am I doing this? What's what's important about it? Will I regret not doing this thing? Because I signed up for it. Well, why would I all of a sudden say I'm not going to do it? Um, are there people there to help me? Am I making too big a deal out of this? I mean, there's, and that's entirely possible. In this case, I don't know what the cave looks like, but I sort of suspected as I was sitting there, we were getting ready to go down in the elevator and and I'm like, I'm probably making too big a deal out of this in my head. And I was able to do this fairly fairly straightforward and, and confidently, honestly. I don't think my wife even noticed it. Maybe she did. I, I doubt it. Um, but it was happening internally. I was having a little bit of an internal battle. But I knew what that felt like. I knew how that came to me. I knew that everything I was experiencing was a product of runaway imagination and getting out of the present moment and all the things that we are that I talk about in shows 10 11 12 on this podcast the way to succeed at those moments is to have done that is to have practiced that to have to know what is happening to be able to say okay this is anxiety what options do I have you know why am I doing this why is this important um let's get back to the present moment and get back to the now and just enjoy what we're doing now. And, and there's a good chance that my brain is really just over hyping this thing that I'm going to go do. And Oh, by the way, if I don't do it, how do I think I'll feel afterwards if I just decided I'm not going to go down there? So these are all great questions and, and things you can do, um, you know, in sort of a mental exercise, But I do think they help you get through a moment when you're facing something that is traditionally quite anxious. This is the recipe to facing anxiety. It's knowing what it feels like and being in that moment to say, okay, what's important? What's part of my value system? What do I want to be doing here? And how do I just focus on doing that thing? And also part of this is not taking on situations that are just too big not taking on dragons that are just too large. That's not a winning strategy. You want to take on things that are within your, your zone of tolerance and, and being able to do. The more of these things you do, the more you're able to work through them. In the, in the case of relationship examples where you tend to get anxious when, let's say, your spouse disagrees or someone says something, and that, which tends to make you much more heated or shut down or avoid in those moments, if you practice it, you can you can hang in there. You can learn to hang in there and say and do the things that you'd rather do than those things. So the general philosophy, if you will, is trying to find ways, and there are many ways, there are many techniques, there are many ways to practice. How would I get through these situations? How would I build up to it? What's the small thing I could do? And you can kind of use your imagination for that as well. I mean, just pick any sort of fear and you can kind of figure out small ways to to sort of get through it. You know, if, you're, if your fear is driving, well, get in a car with someone and just start driving in some very easy areas and work your way up to something harder and harder. And hopefully you're with someone who can help you work through that and maybe laugh and and carry on and you know, that kind of thing. And there's someone there to help you. So, you know, you're going to probably hang it, hang with it a bit more. So there's, there are lots of ways to take things on in smaller bites. I often say to people, and I think I talk about it at the end of episode 12 or in the middle of perfectionism, perfectionism is a sort of another version of anxiety in that I'm afraid to do anything different. I'm afraid if I, if I step out of line or do something in a way that's not perfect, I will suffer the consequences, which could be many things. Someone that will yell at me, um, I'll prove them right that I'm just an idiot, you know, whatever there's, there's all kinds of very heavy things we lay in that scenario that perfectionists do that say they must do it perfectly. And that is a huge amount of stress. That's a huge amount of pressure you put on yourself And how perfectionists tend to manage their lives is they tend to try to live the same life over and over again because they want to make sure that they know the right decision. They know how this turns out and so they manage everything down to the smallest degree to include every process they do, how they cook food, how they drive to and from places, you know, it's it's a highly, highly controlled lifestyle. Which anyone can do for a bit of time, but at some point you start to realize the the folly of that. And again, people around you get tired of that too because they want to go do something different. They'd rather eat at a different restaurant. They'd rather not just see you eat the same five food items uh, for the rest of your life. Um, There's a lot of ways that this sort of gets out of control. Uh, I once talked to a client. I think they watch the same television show for like fifty or a hundred times or something like that. They're almost afraid to watch something different. So all these things are, are you can see are patterns. How do you break out of it? Well, you break out of it. My recommendation is always start doing something different and you start with the smallest possible thing you can imagine. And the reason you're doing it is not so that you won't be anxious. The reason you're doing it is so that you will start to induce some anxiety. that is a small amount so you can sort of get this this practice in of like, okay, what does this feel like? Why am I doing this thing? And this thing could be, I'm merely going to drive two blocks more to my house by taking a left here at the stop sign versus the right. And I'm going to go around this little area and it's going to take me two more minutes to get to my house that could induce anxiety for someone who is very rigid like we just described. You can plan and practice to take a different route. But what's going to happen is you are going to be met with a full onslaught of thoughts that are basically saying, don't do it. Do it this way. We do it this way. This is the way we're supposed to do it. If we if we make a left... God forbid the the death and destruction that's going to rain down on us because we're doing something different now. It's like, okay, again, in a calm moment, you could probably see that's kind of ridiculous. But in that moment, when you're deciding which way to go, the anxiety can well up pretty fast over something that simple. So if that has you overwhelmed, you don't do it. You do something else that you will do and will follow through on that is different Get as small as you possibly can and just do that thing differently again That small thing is not going to have huge life consequences It in no way is going to say how someone some movie star will live or die I mean you name it You've probably got all kinds of reasons why you do certain things and it's time to start changing some of those and the way you do that Is start very small In that moment, you then listen to, okay, this is what anxiety feels like in me. This is what tends to happen internally. Um, Can I battle that back and make a different decision and do it? If the answer is yes, you're on your way to fixing your anxiety. It will be uncomfortable, sure. Once you're done, then what you have the opportunity to do is take a look back and say, okay, This is what my brain was telling me when I was sitting at the intersection. I didn't listen to that. I turned anyway. Am I glad I did that? Well, you're probably immediately again going to be met with a thought of no, I didn't want to do that. I don't ever want to do that. I want to turn the way I want to turn and that's that. But what I'm asking you is, are you glad you turned the other way? Meaning I could have listened to those things and given in, but I didn't. Am I glad I didn't give in? In the case of taking two more blocks to get home, it's not going to be that big a deal if you did or didn't listen, honestly. But if it's a different thing, such as I'm going to you know, get on that ride with my daughter or I'm going to do that small little thing that I normally would have said no to, but I said yes to, and my kids really appreciated that I went along with them and did that thing, well, that's a big deal. And you know, afterwards you would say, Am I glad I did that? You would likely say, Yes, absolutely yes. I'm glad I made that decision. I'm glad I didn't listen to that anxiety. The only way you could have done that in a moment that really matters is you have to have practiced it in moments that don't matter. Because you must learn how that feels, how that goes. Once you develop that that ability to recognize it, to not listen to it. If you will know what the typical arguments are that your brain presents you with Now in future situations down the road, you're more likely to handle it. And so The key to anxiety I think i've said it numerous times is learning to do what matters And you start out small and you work bigger You start out small so you don't overwhelm yourself you start out small so you have time to kind of recognize what's happening inside your body. You're not under some time crunch. You're not under something that you have to do. But you're able to work through a smaller problem and come to a resolution that was against everything your brain was telling you to do. And here's the other, you know, big thing about anxiety. I often talk about a smoke detector with my my clients that... A smoke detector is meant to go off in your house when there's smoke. We don't need it going off 24-7. And some. I think many people feel like that's what anxiety is for them. It's a constant smoke detector. We need anxiety. But we've got, just like a smoke detector, we need those things. But we also can't have it just alarming at every possible thing. So the only way we're going to detune that smoke detector or detune that anxiety is you've got to learn to not listen to it. Again, we do this in small situations where the outcome doesn't matter because you've got to learn what sort of messages is it telling me and which things am I able to avoid? Am I able to sort of logically say, okay, I'm choosing between this and this thing, and there's really no re- reason why I should be this worked up. I'm going to do this, do it this way, even though my brain is telling me not to. You're practicing that so you can get used to doing it. It's all a matter of trying to detune that smoke detector in small, easy ways early on so that you can learn sort of, okay, what do the alarms feel like? What does the anxiety feel like? What's the pressure feel like that is making me do these things? And how do I, how do I not listen to it? the hard part about not listening to your brain is you've listened to it your whole life. It you've you've been told to trust your gut. Do these things that, you know, your brain is telling you the right thing. Listen to it. Well, you've been listening to it and it's been giving you a bit of a foolish thought in many cases, a bit of a foolish argument. But it's hard to not listen to it because it's you. It's your thoughts. I'm not wrong. Of course, these are my thoughts. Of course, I am i have the best thoughts. I have the most uh, intelligent thoughts, so I should listen to them. Well, I'm here to tell you, when you've got anxiety going, you don't have the best thoughts. It's up to you to learn how to sort of sort those out. Figure out, okay, I need anxiety. I do need this emotion to give me legit signals when there's danger. I don't want to just not pay attention to it because that's dangerous I want to learn what's a real dangerous situation and what is just standard routine that I can push against again doing these small things fighting the battle in small ways allows you to practice that in in bigger and bigger scenarios. So there we go. It's another reset on anxiety. Again, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to those shows. We'll talk about this and and many other things in there. But this is really the the kind of the key idea I think of anxiety is is trying to figure out how do I get through it? And there are many other beliefs about anxiety that I that I I guess I won't get into, but this is the fundamental concept or the fundamental core belief that I have if you come work with me and many other therapists you're going to be you're going to be around this idea that you we want to teach you how to be anxious and that anxiety won't develop into a panic attack how to be anxious and be able to think clearly and think through situations so that you can come out with the best outcome that's ultimately what anxiety treatment looks like and that's something that I certainly would encourage you to take on and find someone to help you. You need someone to help you because there's a lot of things you're going to have to be reminded of as your brain sort of shuts down in the anxiety moment and things to think about before and after. So it's, it's good to have someone to help you with that, and a therapist can certainly do that. So with that, I will sign off on today's big anxiety discussion. Hope you get something out of that. Encourage you to go back and listen to those shows, and I'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself or a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.